Hi everyone, uh, great to be able to worship again together today. I'm really grateful for the opportunity to be able to share with you, uh, open up the Word of God together and see uh, once again if there's something that He wants to communicate to us. Uh, so today I'm going to go once again to the book of Acts, we're going to go to chapter 10 today and um, I'd love it if you would uh, maybe grab your Bible and follow along, we're going to follow the story um, it's a, it's a huge, it's a big chunky story, um, so we'll not read it all, but we'll, we'll follow it through and then towards the end I'd love to pick up the story and read it together. So um, let me pray while you're finding your Bible, while you're finding Acts chapter 10. Father, I'm so grateful for this opportunity to be able to open your word together uh, as a community of people, as a people just, um, just seeking your heart. And wherever we find ourselves in the on this journey, God, I pray that you would come and you would meet with us, that you would speak to us. Holy Spirit, we just, um, we just open our minds, we open our hearts and, uh, and say, come and, and offer us hope, offer us encouragement, offer us challenge uh, in these days that we find ourselves in. And we thank you for and uh, we thank you for openings, God, and we thank you for um, signs of hope that we're beginning to see. And, uh, and so we just pray that we would be encouraged today. And I pray that your word would continue to help us uh, be refined increasingly into your likeness, Jesus. So we, we pray that you would be so pleased with all that is said, uh, all that is done in these few moments that we have together. In Jesus' name. Amen. Uh, I have to start out first of all by um, just saying how great a job Neville did last Sunday. Um, really challenged, but I've still been listening to the the chunks of what he was sharing as the week has went on. Um, and so, so, so two weeks ago, as I've said, I was in, in, in Acts chapter 8. We looked at the story of Philip and the Ethiopian eunuch. And then last week, Neville had us in Luke chapter 10. And then today, we're in Acts chapter 10. And, uh, and me and Neville haven't had, haven't had conversation. We haven't like, colluded in what we were going to speak about over these, over these couple of weeks together. Um, but I suppose I'll leave it up to you. If, but there, is, there does feel like there's a certain thread in what the Holy Spirit has led on our hearts individually. And maybe there is something that he is wanting to truly say to us as a, as a, as a family and mission, as a community of faith, uh, seeking the best for the place that uh, the Lord has placed us. Um, so, uh, so just a quick reminder, one of the challenges for me last Sunday was as a, as Neville sort of like spoke around all of the characters mentioned in that story, unfortunately, I I I probably find myself in moments identifying with the with this uh, with this religious leader that asked the question that that opened up this parable that Jesus went on to tell. And the expert in the law, and how often can we do that? People that have been around church long a certain period of time. Um, and end up feeling like we're we're experts, feel like we we, we know it all, and, and that's not always the case. It's certainly not always the case for me, and I've had to come to realize that. And sometimes the hard way, F felt like he was an expert in the law, and and then he went he went on 
Like he wanted to, even whenever he was in this dialogue with Jesus, he still was wanting to justify himself. And as Nev said last week, um, using the, the message version, he was trying to find a loophole. And we're really good at that. I'm really good at that. And so I found myself once again identifying myself with this religious leader. Like I didn't want to, but that's often the place I find myself in. Thinking that, thinking that I am some sort of expert. Thinking that, trying to find ways to justify myself. Trying to find loopholes because the, the words of Jesus, to love others and to love your neighbor, it's really clear. Yet we still want to find loopholes. We still want to find ways around that. But Jesus, what about this group of people? Yes, but Jesus, what about, what about the way this type of people have been living? Place ourselves as some sort of experts and then want to find ways to justify, find loopholes. We don't follow and obey the clear instructions that Jesus has um, given to us. Deeply challenging. And, so the, and, and Jesus did this continually, didn't he? Like throughout the whole Throughout the whole Gospels, we see Jesus constantly rubbing up against the, uh, the religious leaders. See, the ways of Jesus rub up against our own traditions and our own preferences and our own tribes even. The, the ways of Jesus rub up against those. And we don't like it and we sort of, we, we resist and we reject and we want to justify ourselves. And the challenge of the story last week in, in, in Luke chapter 10 was these guys, the, the priest and the Levite, who passed by on the other side. And I think you've heard me using that language several times over the last number of weeks. It feels like that anyway. That, that uh, these, the priest and the Levite, those that were supposed to represent the nature of God, those that were supposed to represent his ways, they were the ones that passed by on the other side. Whereas we have, and again, we've talked about it before, uh, and times in, the, in, uh, in Mark's gospel especially, we see Jesus, always, he, he was wanting to bring the disciples, they're, they're probably wanting to get away from the other side, but Jesus is constantly trying to bring them back. Bringing them back over to the other side, where the demoniac man was, where people who are incredibly broken are. That's where Jesus is trying to bring people to. Those that have been isolated, those that have, that have been rejected, those that have been left on their own in their pain and their brokenness. The temptation is that we would pass by on the other side, but Jesus is always wanting to bring us to the other side. And so my fear is, as I, as I wrestle through again some of the stuff that we looked at last Sunday, is that whenever we pass by in the same way the priest and the Levite did, this is too messy, this is too unclean, we pass by on the other side. My fear is that we actually in doing that, we pass by Jesus. Because that's where he is, that's where the good Samaritan, that's where he was, he was painting the good Samaritan as the hero. Which, was, which that in itself was a tragedy for the, the Jewish leaders that were listening in. My fear is that we could possibly pass by Jesus because he is on the other side. And sometimes we could be guilty of just sticking with what we know, sticking with the status quo, sticking with the way that it's always been done with our own people, with our own preferences, with our own traditions. And, oh, that we that in doing that we could miss Jesus. Like honestly, God, please, please help me not to live in such a way that I could possibly miss Jesus. I wouldn't carry my opinions and my preferences so strongly, my traditions and all of that so tightly that I could pass by, that I could walk away. I could not stop and pay attention like Moses did. And, and miss 
miss Jesus. And, and, and two weeks ago when we talked about the eunuch, we've seen that the eunuch was an outsider. There have been, he, Deuteronomy 23 tells us that the eunuchs were not even allowed to enter into the temple area. They weren't allowed anywhere near it. And so this eunuch who made his way into Jerusalem to the place of seeming revival walks away untouched by the message of Jesus. And so it takes Philip, obedient to the voice and the whisper of the Holy Spirit, to hear uh, God saying, go after him. And Philip runs. God chases after the outsider. He chases after those that are on the other side. He may, he'll do whatever it takes to get to those on the other side, to the outsiders, to those left on the margins. God chased after the eunuch. I still love it. And he paints the outsider uh, in Luke 10 as the hero of the story, as one who is, uh, who is following the way of Jesus. The Samaritan gave his all. He took a risk. I think, I think Philip did the same. Philip was given his all. We're told in Acts chapter 6, he was full of the Spirit. He was full of wisdom. He, was, he laid down his life for the other. He laid down his life for those that Jesus ultimately had laid down his life for. And we see the Samaritan, we see, we see Philip, and then I think in this story today we'll see Peter taking a risk. They give their all and they take a risk. And I think Peter does, does the same. I'm setting it, maybe it feels like I'm taking a long, a long time to set this up to introduce Acts chapter 10. But I think Peter did the same as the Samaritan. He did the same as Philip in Acts chapter 8. He took a risk in going to the other. Took a, like he took a major risk in going to the other side. So the Holy Spirit is going to do whatever it takes to break down those us versus them barriers. And I hate it. Honestly, I, I keep threatening to come off Twitter and for some reason I don't do it. Because it's, and it's just filled with such toxicity. Even within, even within church circles, there is such a, a, such a divisive um, narrative that is running through so much of our social media. And really it is, it, it's so filled with pride. It's just this us versus them. It's us versus them barriers that, that, that have been created. And sometimes that, that creeps into the church as well. Times that are, it, it's felt based on social media that it feels like the church is even worse. And I say that, like I say that like heavy heartedly, honestly. I say that with like not trying to condemn, not trying to like point the finger <laughs> But honestly, grieving at how, like the whole, like the Ephesians chapter two tells us that what Jesus did on the cross was to break down the barriers, to break down the dividing wall of hostility. And how is it that sometimes it feels like we we try to build it up again? We try to resurrect those walls of division, those barriers of hostility. And that's why I love these stories that we've been looking at over the last number of weeks. That's why I love this story. Like for years, I've just, I've just loved this story. I think it's such a pivotal moment for the church. Um, and maybe I've said that so many times. 
but it does, it feels like it's a moment where this goes beyond the us. It goes beyond Jerusalem. It goes beyond the Jews. It goes beyond this one people group. God has been trying to get this message to all people, to all nations. For so long and now it is happening. And so if I can just run through the story. At the end of Acts chapter 9, we're told that where, where Peter is, he's staying in Joppa with a tanner named Simon. And I'm just wanting to, st- I'm just wanting to pause there for a moment because I think it's important to say, like, maybe something is already beginning to take place in Peter. Maybe he is already, um, maybe there's something, or there's a shift already beginning to take place within Peter. Before we even have this story that we're about to read, he's staying in the home of a tanner. This was somebody who, who, had, who worked with dead animals. And Peter was like a good Jew, like Peter, he should never have been anywhere near that. The deep aversion to any, any type of, of dead animal. And, and not only was Peter near it, he was living in the home of one who was who had dead animals. His work meant that he was working with dead animals. So he was living, found himself staying in, a, in an unclean house, a ceremonial unclean house. Maybe, maybe it's worth pointing that out, but I, I'm going to anyway. At the end of Acts chapter 9, that's where we find that Peter is staying. And so then we, have the, we, we are introduced to um, a centurion named Cornelius, a devout God-fearing man who gave generously and prayed to God. And one day at three in the afternoon he had a vision where he saw an angel who came to him and said, Cornelius. Cornelius in fear said, what is it, Lord? And the angel said, your prayers and your gifts to the prayer have come up as a memorial offering before God. And then the angel tells Cornelius, send some men and go, go and find um, Simon who is called Peter. He's staying with Simon the Tanner and, uh, and he is going um, to give you all that you need to know. That's, what, that's my paraphrase, that's not what it says if you're following along. Cornelius called two of his servants um, and a devout soldier, told them everything that had happened and sent them to Joppa. And at the same time, at the same time, we're told then about Peter in verse 9. Peter went up onto the roof to pray and he was hungry. And uh, wanted, something to eat, wanted something to eat and then the meal was being prepared for him and he fell, uh, fell asleep or he fell into a trance. Um, he saw heaven open and this sheet falls down from heaven um, with all kinds of four-footed animals. And as Peter is looking at this vision... He hears this voice saying, get up, Peter, kill and eat. And three times Peter says, no, surely not. Surely not. You're breaking, that will be breaking all of my rules. It will be breaking all of my traditions. Everything, all the important things that I've grown up with, that there is this something has to be wrong here. Surely not. And the voice, it kept coming, kept speaking. Don't call anything impure. We see this a couple of times. Do not call anything impure that God has made clean. And then whenever the sheet lifted up and Peter was wondering, like he's, the sheet was away, Peter then was wondering about this vision and as he's wondering, the men sent by Cornelius 
arrive at the gate and they call out asking if Peter is staying there. And so while Peter was still thinking about the vision, the Spirit said to him, Simon, three men are looking for you. Go downstairs. Do not hesitate to go with them, for I have sent them. I just want to pause there for a moment in verse 20. Go without hesitation. See, there would have been a lot of reasons for Peter to not go. He could have come up with many reasons why he shouldn't go and speak with these men. But the word comes and says, trust me, Peter. Just go. Don't hesitate. You've heard from me. Now respond to it. Go without hesitation. And I know for me, and if you're, if you're anything like me at all, there is moments, there is those times where you feel like, you feel this nudging that you need to go and help someone or you need to go and speak to someone. Or you just go and bring a simple greeting to your neighbour. And you don't do it. There's so many reasons why you talk yourself out of it. Fear of man. You're, fear, you're, just, you're just fearful of looking silly. You're fearful of taking a risk. You're fearful of putting yourself out there. Fearful of, of being vulnerable. And eventually we, we talk ourselves out of it and we don't do it. And so that's why I think that word feels really important. It feels important to me. Without hesitation, just go, Peter. You need to respond to this. This is an important moment. This is, this is really significant. Don't miss this. This is gonna. This is gonna be a catalyst to bringing the good news of Jesus, Holy Spirit-filled people all over the world. Gentiles are gonna be filled with the Holy Spirit in response to Peter's obedience, in response to his um, lack of hesitation. And so the men then they, they say, "We've come from Cornelius." He's a righteous and God-fearing man. He's respected by all the Jewish people. Um, and so after a bit of, bit of introduction to who Cornelius is, Peter invites them into the house to be his guests. And again, if I can just point out here, here is, here is people from the other side. Gentiles that are, have made their way to find Peter. Peter is staying in the home in this unclean home, Simon the Tanner's house, and here isn't that like I just find it incredible that that's that's what God is doing here. He's he's pulling uh, pulling a Jew and a Gentile together into the home to stay in the place of what is seemingly an unclean house, surrounded by unclean things. And I love what Jesus does. Jesus, I read this quote this week. Jesus will draw Jew and Gentile together, not moving past one to get to the other, not choosing one and rejecting the other, but bringing together, drawing close what was far apart. Jew and Gentile will share one spirit. This is the will of God made known in the Son, realized in the Spirit. This new order requires new listening. And all this has taken place in the house of the unclean. Jesus drawing Jew and Gentile together. 
not moving past one to get to the other, not choosing one and rejecting the other, but drawing both together who once were far apart. And I just think it's remarkable. And maybe I'm, I've, I've got ahead of myself, haven't I? <laughs> so Peter, uh, the next day, Peter started out with them. Uh, some of the brothers from Joppa, they came along with them and they arrived in Caesarea and Cornelius was expecting them. He called all his relatives and all of his friends. And Peter enters the house and Cornelius meets him, falls at his feet in reverence. But Peter made him get up. Stand up, he said, I am only a man myself. Let me, let me read verse 27. Let me read these few verses as I begin just to wrap this up. Talking with him, Peter went aside and found a large gathering of people. And he said to them, you are well aware that it is against our law for a Jew to associate with a Gentile or visit him. But God has shown me that I should not call any man impure or unclean. So when I was sent for, I came without raising any objection. May I ask why you sent me? And so before Peter begins to share his truth, before he begins to unpack all that he wants to say about the good news of Jesus, first he asks the question, why is it that you've sent me? And Cornelius answers. And he tells a story that we've already touched on at the beginning of Acts chapter 4. Or sorry, Acts chapter 10, the first few verses of Acts chapter 10. And Cornelius answers, tells them exactly what had happened. And says, now we are all here, verse 33, in the presence of God to listen to everything that the Lord has commanded you to tell us. And then Peter began to speak. Peter began to speak. And that's it's the words that Neville closed with last Sunday morning. So it feels like it's a bit of a tag team now here. Like Neville's tagging me in. Uh, Peter began to speak. I now realise how true it is that God does not show favouritism but expect, accept sorry, men and women from every nation. So yeah, this is, for me, this is remarkable and it's because of what Peter says in verse 28. Like Peter's acknowledging this. This is not normal. This is highly irregular. Jews do not do this. They do not come and visit and relax with people from the other side. It's not what happens. And to go back again to the story with uh, in Acts chapter 8, I love that about Philip. That Philip came and he got up on the chariot and he sat with the eunuch. It was not, not, it was not normal. It was highly irregular. Jews don't do this. And he visits, Peter visits and relaxes, like sits among people from the other side. Again, if I can, if I can quote a commentary that I read this week. Will Peter hear this new word from God and will Peter believe this is a new word from God? That a challenging question. Will Peter hear this new word from God and will Peter believe this is a new word from God? This is the condition of risk in which Christianity comes to exist and without which 
authentic Christianity does not exist. This is the risk of faith, faith that comes to each of us, but none of us carries alone. The risk here is not found in believing new relationships, but, sorry, the risk here is not found in believing new revelations, but in new relationships. Let me, let me read it again and make sure you've got it. The risk here for Peter is not found in believing new revelations, but in new relationships. The new word God continues to speak to us is to accept new people, different people that we had not imagined that God would send across our path and into our lives. Think that feeds back into some of what we looked at in Luke 10 and the Good Samaritan and Acts chapter 8. The new word that God continues to speak to us, to you, is to accept new people, different people, that we had not imagined that God would send across our path and into our lives. And what Peter does, I think, is really beautiful and really important lesson for us. I was on a phone call with a friend this week and uh, for me, like something I... I learned so much better in like just communicating back and forth, like trying to like work it out together, iron sharpening iron. And, and as we were talking through some of uh, some of this in Acts chapter ten, I realised the importance of of uh, as we engage with people that are are new or are different, or people that we had not imagined that God would send across our path and into our lives. The importance of first listening, I caught. I felt like I really caught in this story. See, before Peter began to preach, before he began to to rhyme off his well his well rehearsed um, gospel presentation, first of all he says, "Why is it that you've sent me?" And first of all, he takes on the posture of listening. First of all, he listens, and then. After he's listened, he begins to speak. And how helpful would that be in our, on our social media? How helpful would that be in our dialogues with people who think differently than us, that look differently from us? How helpful would it be if we first listened? And then after we've listened, that we would begin to speak and see what it is that the Holy Spirit wants to do. See, the, the, I think it's important to say it again. The risk was not in new revelation. And it, like... And I'm sure that did. I'm sure that still did carry risk. But Peter, the, the word is came and said, "Don't call anything impure that God has called unclean." And then, as Peter is, as Peter has wondered and has pondered on this, as he as he reflects that back to to Cornelius and all his relatives and family, he says, "God has told me not to call any person impure or unclean." See, the risk was. Uh, is not found in believing new revelation, but in new relationships. And again, Neville finished off so well last week, the, the, the simple challenge for us, it should be simple, it's often not, that we would value every life around us. What would our estates look like? What would our family life look like? What would life look like in Rich Hill and wherever it is that you're from if you began to value every life around you? 
I honestly think things would look different. Would see people the way that God sees them. He's broken down every barrier, every wall of hostility in order to reach people with his incredible love and his incredible kindness and he has entrusted that to us. There's lessons that I think that we've looked at over the last two or three weeks that for me have been deeply challenging. And so I finish, I finish with this. And I think it's almost summarising some of the last three weeks in fact. And I don't know where we're going to go next Sunday but the, the importance as for me one who's following Jesus is wrestling through these stories, wrestling through the, the, the word of God and not doing it alone. That's important to say as well. And I think we just need to be willing to come to the other side. I think we need to be willing to love and to listen. I think we need to be willing to lay down many unfair, ill-conceived judgments. God has shown me, like Peter says, God has shown me that I should not call any man impure or unclean. See, it truly is our our job to love, spirit's job to, to convict. Ultimately, it's God is the one that will judge. It's ours to love. It's ours to listen. It's ours to lay down our judgments and it's our willingness to take a risk and come to the other side and I think you'll find the good Samaritan there as we've seen last week but more importantly than that I think you'll find Jesus and I want to be where he's at I want to be where Jesus is I know many of you do the same and maybe you're one that is feeling like you're actually on the other side in a place of being cast away and being rejected and being ignored. As Neville said last week, I, I, like, I want to say sorry. But I also want to say that Jesus is for you. That he, like, he really loves you. And he's for you. And so I... I uh, I hope something here has been helpful. I'm honestly wrestling through this as much as I'm as much as I'm wanting to communicate this to you and for you to be challenged by this. I am deeply challenged by some of this. And, uh, and so let's continue to wrestle through this together as a community of people seeking the best for our family and our community like longing to lift high the name of Jesus so that people will be drawn to him. Because he's so good and he's so worthy of all of our sacrifice, all of our risk, all that we have. Um, yeah, so, so have, a, have a great day. Uh, hopefully we're going to be able to do something together really soon and uh, we, we really look forward to that. Still continue to miss you and love you all. Um, bless you.